This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a parking garage collapses in New York City. One worker was killed and at least four others injured. We have footage from the scene along with testimony from onlookers and officials. Four people found shot dead in a home in Maine. Gunfire erupts on a busy highway nearby shortly afterwards. We speak with an expert on human aggression about the rise of shootings in the U.S. Lawmakers criticize so-called Green New Deal policies on Capitol Hill. They wonder if the U.S. is getting the short end of the stick in the energy game with China. A hospital fire in Beijing kills at least 29 people. Close to 40 are injured. Find out what officials think caused the inferno. And Shenyun Performing Arts returns to Turin, Italy. The Chinese dance company was greeted with a warm reception by local officials. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Tiffany Meyer in for Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, April 19th. To start the program, we have an announcement to make. NTD has the unique honor and privilege of publishing two articles by teacher Li Hongzhi, How Humankind Came to Be and Why the Creator Seeks to Save All Life. Teacher Lee is the founder of Falun Gong, also known as Falun Dafa. The spiritual practice has millions of practitioners and adherents around the world. The practice focuses on truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. And on top of bringing our viewers uncensored and unbiased news, we also promote what we believe embodies universal values that will uplift our audience. We're happy to present his latest articles. If you would like to read how humankind came to be and why the Creator seeks to save all life, you can find them on our website, ntd.com. Now some startling news from yesterday. A parking garage collapsed in New York City, killing a worker inside. This happened in Lower Manhattan's financial district. At least four others were injured. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has the details. Debris, smoke, cars were sinking. It, it looked like out of a movie, and it was horrible. Multiple cars were crushed when a parking structure in Manhattan caved in Tuesday. Authorities say the six workers who were inside when it happened are all accounted for. One was killed. Four others were taken to the hospital. Another was stuck on the top floor. He was rescued by firefighters from an adjacent roof. Eyewitnesses next door say when they heard a large boom, they thought it came from the building they were in. Everything was sinking. It was just heartbreaking. We heard screams. I didn't know where it was coming from at first. Firefighters initially began to search the building on foot to make sure no one was inside any of the cars. They were forced to pull back when the building proved too unstable. This was a, an extremely dangerous operation for our firefighters. A robotic dog and drones were used to finish the search. Mayor Eric Adams thanked God for the technology that kept search teams out of danger. This is ideally what we talk about, uh, not sending a human being inside a building that's unstable. Officials say they believe the structural collapse was a tragic accident and do not suspect any foul play. Initial findings attribute the weight of the cars and the age of the building as the cause. A forensic engineer will investigate to determine what happened. The collapse occurred on Ann Street near Nassau Street around 4 p.m. Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine says it might be good to work from home this week for anyone that needs to commute to the area around the site. This is going to take a while to make it safe for the public. There's going to be rigs and equipment out here probably for days. 
A New York City Department of Buildings filing for the garage from 2003 says ceiling slab cracks exist, as well as defective concrete with exposed rear cracks. An $800 penalty had been paid for the violation. Records didn't state if the problems had been addressed prior to the collapse. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Child care and elder care. President Biden used his executive power on multiple fronts yesterday to expand affordable care for children and older Americans. However, some say this is mostly a symbolic gesture. NTD's Arian Pazdar explains. There you go. Yeah. Right now, the cost of care is too high for seniors in nursing homes, for working families with young children. Pay for care workers is too low. President Biden on Tuesday signed this executive order. According to the White House, the executive order Biden signed contains more than 50 directives to increase access to child care and improve the work life of caregivers. The Biden administration says it's calling for investments to support high-quality, affordable child care, preschool and long-term care. Under this order, almost every federal agency will collectively take over 50 actions to provide more peace of mind for families and dignity for care workers and uh, who deserve jobs with good pay and good benefits. The goal is to make child care and long-term care more accessible and affordable, improve access to home-based care for veterans, boost job quality for early educators, enhance job quality for long-term care workers, support family caregivers and more. However, Biden is asking the agencies in question to achieve these goals without adding any new spending. They should instead use existing funds already allocated to them. In his 2024 budget, Biden proposed $750 billion worth of funding for those areas over 10 years. But Congress didn't approve the budget. With regards to the funding issue and Congress approval, the Domestic Policy Council Director Susan Rice told reporters the president's not going to wait to take action to address our nation's care crisis. According to PBS News, the executive order's impact would be limited and possess more of a symbolic weight about what's possible. Child and elder care programs are very popular with the public. Tuesday's order can boost Biden's approval ratings as he nears an announcement of his candidacy for the 2024 presidential race. Arian Pastar, NTD News. Rewarding China while punishing Americans. New testimony on Capitol Hill about Green New Deal policies and unprecedented spending at the Department of Energy. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. Please stand and raise your right hands. The Subcommittee on Economic Growth, Energy, Policy and Regulatory Affairs held the hearing. Members discussed the lack of existing oversight infrastructure within the Department of Energy to track the spending of taxpayer dollars. Representative Pat Fallon expressed concern about the fast pace of spending. The Biden administration's rampant spending spree has put American taxpayer dollars at even greater risk of waste, fraud and abuse. Meanwhile, Representative Anna Paulina Luna discussed the direction of American energy. A lot of people will talk about clean energy, but it's not really clean, especially when it's tied to China or Chinese productions, for example, windmill manufacturing. Luna highlighted the disconnect of purchasing so-called clean energy technology from China, the world's largest emitter of greenhouse gases. We're currently seeing that China has a insanely big monopoly on critical minerals that we need to produce some of these things for electric vehicles. Instead of facing a global climate crisis, we're facing a global China crisis. 
Representative Byron Donald spoke on the Biden administration's push for the broad expansion of electric vehicles. Most Americans can't afford spending $61,000 for a car. Donald's wondered whether the Biden administration was aware of the lack of electricity on the grid for doubling the size of the EV market in the U.S. And what's the plan of DOE to prevent that from prevent the grid from going essentially dark? There's been a lot of work to figure out what a modernized grid should look like. Donald says he is not in favor of the mass expansion of electric vehicles in the U.S. Because the component pieces actually are dirtier than, than the internal combustion engine. If you take into account the mining of cobalt, lithium, uh, rare earth, etc. And doesn't believe the Biden administration truly has a plan to deal with the electric grid capacity lack anyway. However, Dr. Hogan says the Biden administration is, quote, very interested in figuring out that roadmap going forward. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The suspect in the Pentagon's leaked documents case is set to appear in court today. A judge will decide if he stays behind bars while awaiting trial. Meanwhile, lawmakers are demanding information about how he got access. NTD's Iris Tao was at the federal courthouse in Boston. New investigations into the massive leak of classified documents on the Internet. The House Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on Tuesday sent a letter to the Pentagon demanding immediate access to all the information about how much access the leaker had and what procedures were in place at the Massachusetts Air National Guard, where the suspect Jack Teixeira was based, and other lawmakers asking similar questions to the Air Force. How could this guardsman take this information and distribute it electronically for weeks, if not months, and nobody knew about it? Our, I've tasked our inspector general to go look at uh, the unit and anything associated with this leak that could have gone wrong. The Air Force said on Tuesday that it has opened its own investigation into the leak, and the White House on Tuesday said this. We're taking this seriously. We still don't know the full scope of what's out there, what has been uh, disclosed uh, inappropriately, and we want to get our hands uh, around this. The mounting investigations come after the FBI last week arrested a 21-year-old airman who had the highest level security clearance to top secrets. Tashir is now charged under the Espionage Act and is expected to appear for a hearing on Wednesday at the U.S. District Court in Boston right here. Reporting from Boston, Aris Tao, NTD News. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin has ordered a 45-day review into the handling of classified intelligence that gives senior Pentagon officials until May 2nd to look into access, accountability and control procedures. Once complete, officials will advise Austin on any policy changes that should be made. And now before we head into the break, a quick message from our sponsor Birch Gold Group. The recent surge in gold prices is directly tied to the extreme market volatility right now. This is why gold has historically been a great hedge against the stock market and against inflation. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Visit birchgold.com ntd to get a free info kit on gold. Visit birchgold.com slash NTD to claim your free info kit on gold today. Birchgold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Again, visit birchgold.com slash NTD today. And just ahead, four people found shot dead in a home in Maine. Gunfire erupts at a nearby highway shortly afterwards. 
we speak with an expert on human aggression about the rise of shootings in the U.S. A hospital fire in China kills close to 30 people. Around 40 are injured and dozens forced to evacuate. Find out what officials believe caused the deadly blaze after the break. In Maine, four people were found shot dead in a home in Bowdoin yesterday. Gunfire broke out on Interstate 295 near Yarmouth shortly afterwards. Three people were shot while driving. State police say the shootings are connected. The injured drivers were taken to the hospital. At least one was in critical condition. A suspect was arrested last night in connection to the killings. Police identified him as 34-year-old Joseph Eaton. He is set to appear in court later this week. Police did not share details about the four people killed or a possible motive. Authorities are asking anyone with information to come forward. On the topic of shootings, we next examine the roots of the problem facing the U.S. That is, there have been 163 shootings with four or more victims so far this year. Recent reactions include Michigan lawmakers pushing for safer gun storage and advocates trying to carry a casket under the Tennessee House floor as they seek red flag laws. But what about addressing the psychological aspect to the violence? I wanted to learn more about this, so I spoke with an author and expert on human aggression. Have a listen. Joining me now is retired Army Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. It's great to hear from you, Dave. Hello, Kevin. It's good to be here. I'm a big fan of Epoch Times and uh, NTD. Uh, you guys are doing great things. Your listeners are on the, are on the right side. Uh, I'm honored to be here with you. That's great. And can you give us your perspective on the source of violent crime in the U.S., including shootings? Yeah. You've got to constantly ask yourself, what is the new factor? Something's happening out there that has never happened before. These murder simulators, these mass murder simulators are the new factor that's caused an explosion of violence and juvenile mass murder. I was invited to the White House as President Trump's roundtable on violent video games, had a chance to put one book in the president's hand, assassination generation, and one little piece of history. Uh, In 2005, the state of California overwhelmingly voted to regulate children's access to violent video games. The data was so overwhelming, the brain scan data, violent visual imagery, especially the video games, and the kid's brain goes into fight or flight mode. Uh, They got catastrophic shutdown of left brain processing for days. When, When you're fighting for your life, where your meal comes from tomorrow, left brain processing, not on your radar screen. So overwhelmingly, home of Hollywood, home of Silicon Valley, voted to regulate children's access to violent video games because the data was so overwhelming, the brain scan data. And, and Arnold Schwarzenegger signed the bill. And the video game industry fought all the way to the Supreme Court. They said, we have a constitutional right to sell any game to any kid at any age. You cannot stop us, you cannot regulate us. And the seven Supreme Court justices never played Pong in their life in overturning the California law. But the data was that overwhelming in 2005. It's even more so now. The military knows that in order to get the firing rate up in combat, we have to turn shooting into condition reflex. In World War II, we found out the majority of our troops wouldn't pull the trigger. It was a training flaw. We're trying to shoot bullseyes. We have no known cases of any bullseyes ever attacking our troops in combat. Any of your listeners been in the uh, armed forces for the last 50 years, you never once shot a bullseye. Man-shaped silhouette pops up in view, you hit the target, target drops. Stimulus response, stimulus response, like a pilot in a flight simulator. Modern military training 
makes killing a condition responsible. By the way, <laughs> the video games are doing the exact same thing to our kids. The data is overwhelming. Some have said that the drawbacks of these video games are very substantial, but they also say, you know, people who weigh in on shootings say that there are a range of factors like mental health issues, isolation, violent upbringing, access to firearms, extreme beliefs. So how much of this is actually stemming from video games? You know, it, it, a good analogy is heart disease. What causes heart disease? Uh, genetics, uh, obesity, diet, uh, exercise, and tobacco. So imagine that tobacco company says, well, there's so many factors in heart disease, uh, tobacco is just a, just a small factor in the equation. But the truth is you add that one factor, tobacco, and you've, you've exploded the risk dynamic. And, and that's what we're looking at here. Keep asking yourself, what is the new factor? Uh, it, this, this is the new factor out there, and it's not going away. These are not just murder simulators. They're mass murder simulators being marketed to children by a predatory industry who really doesn't care. And they'll tell you to enforce the rating systems. And I'll tell you, that's the beginning. But again, we talk in the book about many lies for the price of one and how deceptive the rating system is. But as a bare minimum, as a parent, enforce the rating system. Army Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, it's great to hear from you today. Thank you very much. All your listeners, you keep hanging in there, we need you. At least 29 people were killed in a hospital fire in Beijing yesterday. Dozens of people were forced to evacuate. Video and photos of the incident were soon scrubbed from social media posts. Clouds of black smoke billowed into the sky. A video shows people trapped in the building, climbing out windows using bedsheets tied together. Others took refuge by perching on air conditioning units. The fire broke out at Beijing's private Changfeng Hospital. State media reported at least 71 patients were rescued. 39 are being treated for injuries. And over 140 people were evacuated from air conditioning units on the building's exterior. The cause of the fire is under investigation. Officials believe it sparked from welding work being done in the inpatient wing. Most of the building appeared to be without power late yesterday, with only a few windows lit up by the flashlights of workers inside. 26 out of the 29 deaths were patients from the hospital. In Kevin, safety rules are frequently ignored in China, but accidents on the level of the Changfeng fire are treated with a much higher level of scrutiny. Construction accidents sometimes result from corners being cut on work hours and safety conditions, while local officials are bribed to ignore violations. And it's also known the hospital's finances were badly affected by the pandemic. According to a Global Times report, the company plans to sell shares into subsidiaries. The FBI is investigating the operation of a secret Chinese police station in New York City. After arresting two men on Monday in relation to it, new evidence suggests a link to secret Chinese police stations in other countries. On Monday, the FBI arrested Lu Jian Wang and Chen Jinping for obstruction of justice and operating a secret police service station in New York City on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. Prosecutors alleged that Liu and Chen acted on orders from the CCP to track down and silence Chinese dissidents living in the U.S., including Falun Gong practitioners who are heavily persecuted in China. Liu and Chen allegedly operated out of an overseas Chinese police station called the Fuzhou Police Overseas Service Station located in New York's Chinatown. 
A document recently filed in a Brooklyn federal court says that Liu had a photo on his phone which captured ceremonies commemorating the opening of Chinese overseas police stations in five countries, including one in Canada. Other photos on his phone reportedly show the association presidents from Spain, France, Canada, and the Netherlands. This is according to an affidavit in support of Monday's arrest warrants and first reported by Canada's Globe and Mail. Canada's federal police, the RCMP, has been investigating a number of locations across the country suspected of being secret Chinese police stations. They told NTD, quote, as the RCMP is currently investigating the incident, there will be no further comment on the matter at this time. The RCMP takes threats to the security of individuals living in Canada very seriously and is aware that foreign states may seek to intimidate or harm communities or individuals within Canada. And the presence of secret Chinese police stations first came into light with two reports from Safeguard Defenders. It's a human rights watchdog based in Spain. The organization released two reports last year identifying around 100 such locations globally. Five of them were identified in Canada. And the RCMP previously said they had shut down operations at four of the locations. So far, Canadian police have not laid any criminal charges in relation to the issue. If you want to share your Netflix account, you're soon going to have to pay more. The streaming service is rolling out its paid password sharing system in the U.S. It's going to happen sometime between now and June. The company has already launched the paid structure in four other countries. It says it's pleased with the results. Netflix used to encourage password sharing to attract more viewers. But with recent competition from other platforms, they have decided to change strategies. The company says it expects some backlash once it takes the move. It happened in the other countries where it saw a cancel reaction. Netflix expects paid sharing to grow its membership once sentiment calms down. And coming up, Shen Yun Performing Arts returns to Turin, Italy. The dance company was greeted with a warm reception by local officials. Good to see you again. Shenyun is back in Turin, Italy. Local officials welcomed the performers with a reception at the historic Palazzo Las Caras on Monday. Here's the story. Mr. Stefano Alasia is a president of Piedmont Regional Council. He shared his appreciation of Shenyun's efforts to revive traditional Chinese culture. It's really admirable what Shenyun artists set out to do when embarking on this project, a real mission to bring back to life traditional Chinese culture that existed before communism through the beauty of art and to share it with all other countries around the world. The melody and the movement of coordinated bodies become incredible amplifiers to send clear messages of beauty, of history, of dignity, of the defense of human and civil rights, of love and freedom. Turin is the third largest city in Italy and the capital of the Piedmont region. Shenyan artists shared their excitement of returning to the city. Today we are in Torino, Italy, one of the wellsprings of the West's artistic and cultural heritage. Shenyun comes to share the essence of Chinese culture with the great people of Torino. Today I'm here with Shenyun, sharing my own culture to Italian people. And I have to admit that Italy is one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Its rich culture and the love for the arts is something that we both have in common. 
Shen Yin's return was met with an overwhelming response and sold-out performances. Mr. Jean Piero Leo is president of the Regional Association of Human Rights and Tibet. He is also an advisor to the steering committee of the Royal Opera House of Turin. He appreciated Shen Yin's presentation of the oldest culture in the world that was destroyed by communism and that it brings out the importance of spirituality. I was saying, beyond the skill and the great artistic ability is the sense that the content, the heart of what you express, we consider indispensable for the civilizations in these years, these decades, and this century. The Regional Councillor for Culture, Tourism and Commerce welcomed Shen Yin and delivered a speech on behalf of the regional president. We are proud to have you in Turin, and many important steps have been taken. What is the value of a population? It's the traditions, customs and culture, and above all the possibilities of being able to communicate and spread it. I wish you a good show week because this time it is you who enriches us in Turin and Piedmont. Thank you all and have a successful week. NTD News, Turin, Italy. The reception was held at Palazzo Los Carres, a Baroque-style palace where the Piedmont Regional Council meets. Shen Yun will be performing in Turin with seven performances from April 18th to the 23rd. And that's all from us to, on today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Tiffany Meyer. And I'm Kevin Hogan.